Welcome back to At The Buzzer. I am Tyler Fertel alongside my co-hosts, Andrew Lobliner, Campbell Klein, and Dean McCollum. Today, we will be giving three bold predictions for this NBA season. And on another note, this is the first podcast with the video from our Zoom being released on our YouTube. So go check that out. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's get started. So I'm going to head to Andrew first for his first bold prediction for the season. All right. Thank you, Tyler. Um, For my first bold prediction, I'm going to say that the Warriors are not going to be a top 10 team in the West, meaning that they will miss the playoffs and they will miss the play-in tournament completely. If you don't know, um, the top 10 seeds actually make the playoffs this year. They have a play-in tournament for uh, the 10, 9, 8, and 7 seeds, but I don't think the Warriors are going to be um, any of those seeds at all. And just just from watching them, uh, the first two games of the Warriors season, you can see that Steph Curry has not been... the same player that he once was. He is not MVP Steph. And the guys around him, like Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre, they have not played well at all. They are super inefficient. I don't think Kelly Oubre has made a three-pointer yet. He had that one cool dunk over Kevin Durant, but outside of that, I don't think he's had any other highlight plays. And then I think one bright side for them is that James Wiseman looks to have looks like he's going to have a very promising future and be a great center in the NBA. But I just don't think that him and Steph are going to be able to carry that team based on the way that Andrew Wiggins and um, Kelly Ray are playing right now. And some of the other teams I think that can make it over them are the Pelicans, just because of the way Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson are playing right now, that team's going to continue to grow and get better. And also the Memphis Grizzlies, who, if there wasn't a bubble would have been the eighth seed and was only one game short of being the eighth seed last season uh, in the playoffs. I think that John Morant is going to be spectacular and hopefully they'll get Jaron Jackson Jr. back soon. And I think that uh, they'll be able to finish ahead of the Warriors actually, just because of how well uh, John Morant is playing right now. So yeah, I, I don't think the Warriors are making the playoffs this year. Yeah. Um, I know this is a bold prediction podcast, but I agree with you, Andrew. The Warriors have not looked too great uh, in the first two games, just watching them. Andrew Wiggins, I'm an unproud fantasy owner in two different leagues. Um, he is he has to step it up because I'm pretty sure that the Warriors, uh, after Clay got hurt, they really wanted to count on Wiggins and Kelly Oubre, who they traded for right after Clay got injured. And they're also counting on Steph Curry being back to his MVP form, which he just obviously has not been. Andrew Wiggins obviously just talked about him. He's been absolutely horrible, shooting horribly from the field, from the three. He can't make a shot, to be honest. And Kelly Oubre, like you said, hasn't made a three-pointer. And uh, hopefully uh, Draymond uh, coming back soon. I know he's uh, been injured for the first two games of the season, which is when we're filming this podcast. But uh, hopefully he can give them a little light. James Wiseman's been looking great. And another thing about this Warriors team, they have absolutely no depth on their bench. I mean, Juan Toscano's getting rotational minutes. Damian Lee, uh, multiple second round to undrafted rookies are getting minutes in this uh, in the regular season for the Warriors. So I don't really see them making the playoffs uh, unless some things uh, change hugely. Yeah, I agree with you, Dean. What has always made the Warriors special is the fact that their three-point shooting has been out of this world. But with the loss of Klay Thompson, and Steph Curry honestly isn't shooting the ball very well, Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins have not had good enough shooting for the Warriors to be playoff contenders, at least in my perspective. I mean, James Wiseman has shot the ball better than Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre combined, and he's a rookie center. So, I mean, this Warriors team is struggling right now. I hopefully think they can get back on their feet with Draymond coming back, provide a little experience, but Steph needs to get back to an MVP level if they want to have a chance to get into that play-in. But right now it doesn't look like that, even after two games. I mean, They've given, they've lost by, I think, about a total of over 60 points, which is unreal, especially for a team that was repeated finals contenders only a couple of years ago. So, yeah, Cam, do you have anything to add? Uh, yeah, obviously the Warriors have looked really, really bad these first two games. But I think we also have to keep in mind they've played the two best teams in the East. Yes, they've lost by 65 points between those two games, and they have Draymond Green sitting on the bench because he's injured. Obviously, they're not looking good. I don't think they're going to make it out of the first round regardless. But I think I, I don't think we should get too ahead of ourselves saying they won't be a top 10 team in the West. They've had two really difficult matchups, but I totally agree with you guys. They're not looking good this year. They're obviously not finals contenders, and they're just trying to make the playoffs at this point. So, yeah. 
I just want to add something really quickly. You never know. They could always end up trading Andrew Wiggins for a player and maybe more for a player that could really help them down the stretch. So, I mean, they're definitely not out of it. They've only been playing two games so far. Uh, and like you said, Campbell, against the Nets and the Bucks, who are probably the two best teams in the East. So, I, I yeah, like you said, we can't get ahead of ourselves. Now, Dean, you want to talk about your next prediction? Sure. So uh, my first bold prediction uh, of this uh, episode is going to be that the New Orleans Pelicans, uh, like Andrew said, the Warriors won't be a top 10 team. My bold prediction is that the New Orleans Pelicans will not be a top 10 team, which means they will not even be able to have a chance in the playing tournament. Um, and the reason behind this is that I know it's only been two games. We've only had a sample size of two games and they're one and one currently. And they just played the Heat this uh, this morning earlier. And they just look totally lost on offense. I uh, talked to some of you guys about the game. And Stan Van Gundy, he's known for his defensive scheme. And I don't think that the Pelicans are really ready to take on some defensive scheme that they're not really used to. Because, I mean, that team's just filled with offensive uh, players. Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, those guys need the ball in their hands at all times. And when they're on offense, it they just look completely lost. It looks like the plays they're running just don't really make sense. I mean... When the other team scores, Zion Williamson inbounds the ball to Lonzo Ball, and then he just passes it right back to Zion, and he drives to the hoop and just gets fouled every time and goes one for two at the line. Like, it doesn't really make much sense to me. And I think that the Pelicans not making this play in, it'll result in Stan Van Gundy getting fired because I don't think he's the right coach for this team. Adding to what you're saying about their offensive firepower, earlier in the Heat game, Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson were both just having the ball in their hands the whole game. They didn't seem to have any chemistry on the floor. And I'm not going to lie. They both looked like complete bull hogs who need their own teams. So, I mean, I don't know if that's going to work together. I don't know if they're going to be good teammates. I mean, they just signed Brandon Ingram to a max extension, I think it was. And Zion Williamson is the future of their team. So they need to get more chemistry if they want this team to work. Because those are two very talented players, two all-stars. But if they want to make it far and make it to the finals eventually in the next couple of years and down the line, they need to they need to find ways to incorporate both of them into their offense and use them together by using young players like Lonzo Ball, Jackson Hayes and more. I mean, they have they now have Steven Adams, too, and Eric Bledsoe, who are both um, veterans. So like they have experience on their team now. I think they can definitely make a shot at making the playoffs. But I don't know. Right now, it doesn't seem like they have the right chemistry. Andrew? Yeah, one thing I'd like to mention is that Dean actually mentioned this at the end. He said that as part of his bold prediction that he thinks Stan Van Gundy will get fired. And at the time of this uh, hiring Stan Van Gundy, I-, I didn't know if he was the right coach just because, like, the Pelicans, you know, they're a very young team. Their best players are young. And Stan Van Gundy is more of an older coach, more old-fashioned, uh, pure defensive coach. Um, so I just don't know how well it's going to mesh, especially offensively. Um they don't have an offensive identity at all. Like like both of you mentioned, Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson, their entire I mean, they all they do on offense is ISO. That's their entire offense. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know if that was the right hire, but I think that was very interesting that you pointed that out, Dean. Sorry to go to you last again, Campbell, but you have something to add. You do have the Pelicans hat on right now. I don't know why you are a Lakers fan, but I'm not gonna question it. Uh yeah, I don't know why I have the Pelicans hat on, but the Pelicans looked absolutely lost on defense today. They were making Goran Dragic look like Magic Johnson, just going crazy today. I do not know what was up with the Pelicans. Also, as you guys said, their whole offense was just Zion and Brandon Ingram just driving to the hoop. I think at, in the third quarter at some point I read some stat and they had scored like all but three of their team's points in the third quarter. And it's just their offense does not look good. It's sort of weird when Steven Adams and Zion Williamson are both on the court. Something just isn't really adding up for that team, and they're going to need to figure it out quickly. But also remember, they played on the second day of the season. They played the Toronto Raptors in Tampa Bay and beat them. And they beat them by a pretty wide margin in the NBA. So, I mean... I, I don't know what's going on with this Pelicans team. They played well against the Raptors, but did not play against the Heat. So maybe they can come, become more consistent. And if they can, I mean, they're looking good. So now we will move on to my first bold prediction for this NBA season. And it is that Trey Young will be a top MVP candidate. I don't think he will win it, but I think that he can definitely be a top five candidate, if that makes any sense. 
He has a lot of weapons around him now. John Collins, Clint Capella, Danilo Gallinari, Bogdan Bogdanovich. He's an experienced point guard behind him in Rajon Rondo who can definitely help him. But he's just, I think he's hes a great scorer. He, I think he put up 37 points in his first game and had a pretty good amount of, amount of assists too. But I think if he wants to make a run at this MVP award, he definitely has to improve his defense. That's definitely the big fault to his game. I think even he... It, I think if he can't improve it, he's an MVP candidate for sure because his offensive scale just puts him – it just separates him from everyone else. But I think Trey Young is a great player, and he's only going to get better down the line. So, yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, I agree. Trey Young definitely has the talent to win the MVP award. But the thing is, uh, if Trey Young wants to be a candidate or even win the award this season, which is very unlikely, um, his team is going to have to be – a top team in the league because um, part of the winning the MVP candidate is having a good team with a good record. And I can't really see the Hawks having a top three, top four team uh, in the Eastern conference. So therefore that means Trey young would have a very low chance of winning the award, but he definitely has a skill set, and I definitely can see him winning it in the future. Uh, yeah, obviously, as you said, Trey young has all the offensive firepower. He needs to win this award. He just lacks on defense. Uh, but if he can, I think in his, uh, as you said earlier, uh, yesterday or two days ago, excuse me, he'd like 37 points and more than five assists. If he could, if he could muster up like 10 assists per game this year and have and score 25 plus points per game, he's definitely going to be in that MVP discussion. And if not this year, in the coming years, he's definitely going to be top five in voting at some point, if not top three if not an MVP at some point in his career. Yeah, I agree with all you guys. Um, you guys did point out his, uh, his ability, his defensive, uh, uh, his lack of defense. Um, I'm pretty sure last season he was the worst, def- a worst uh, statistical defender in the NBA, which is not a good sign for a superstar. But as Dean said, um, he could definitely be up there in MVP voting. There's definitely a chance he's top five, but I don't think there's a high chance that he actually wins the award just because a lot of it has to do with team success and how far your team, um, how, how good of a record your team has. So I don't think he'll win it, but I think it's definitely uh, possible that he gets top five. Uh, yeah, I think the Hawks have enough talent to make a playoff push, and I think they can get into the playoffs, whether it's through the plane or they get the six or seven seed. I'm not so sure that if they can win round one against a top team like the Celtics, Sixers, Raptors, uh, Nets even maybe, so or the Bucks. So I'm not sure about that, but I think they definitely do have enough skill to get into the playoffs. Okay, so Campbell, now you're going to go with your first bold prediction for this 2020-2021 NBA season. Uh, we can keep this one a little bit shorter, but my prediction is that Nikola Jokic will become the third player in NBA history to average a triple-double for the season. Uh, There might be some recency bias in this pick as opening night Nikola Jokic went crazy. I think he's very close to a triple-double tonight against the Clippers. And, uh, yeah, that's my prediction. I think he's going to average upwards of 20 points along with, obviously, 10 rebounds and 10 assists per game, hence averaging a triple-double for the season. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason he shouldn't. He's the best center in the league, the best passing center big man in the league. I mean, he's just an all-around beast, if I'm going to put it straight. I mean, him and Jamal Murray kind of carried that Nuggets team last season in the bubble to the conference finals where they did fall to the Lakers. But you know what? Nikola Jokic can be one of the best all-time big men in my perspective. He's a good enough passer. He's a good enough defender. He does need to get a little better on defense. I mean, there are definitely centers in this league that – uh, are better defenders than him, but a triple double doesn't usually involve defense unless you get it through blocks. But that is very, 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 very rare. Um, but he gets enough assists. He obviously puts up enough points, and yeah, he's a big man. He gets enough rebounds, so definitely possible. Yeah, I agree with well all of what Tyler said. I think it's possible because Jokic, he's so versatile. He's so, he's the, probably the most versatile center I've witnessed with my own eyes currently. And he he can average 25 points per game. He can get grab 10 boards, and he's the best passing center of all time, arguably. So he can definitely rack up 10 assists as well. 
And if he were to do that, he would definitely be in the MVP conversation because the Nuggets are going to definitely be a top team in the West for years to come. So uh, definitely possible, but it'll be hard to achieve. Ian, you stole the words right out of my mouth. Um, I was about to say that uh, I think Jokic is definitely going to be one of the top MVP candidates just because I think that the Nuggets are going to be a top four, top three team um, in the West. So I think that if that happens, Jokic will probably average a near triple-double, um, and maybe he will average triple-double. I mean, if he averages a triple-double and the Nuggets are a top three seed, then he probably has a very good a very good reasoning right there as to why he should be the MVP uh, of the league. So it, it'll be exciting to see. And he's one of the most exciting players to watch in the NBA. So whether he gets triple double or not, he's always, uh, he's always fun to watch. Okay. I think that concludes the first round of bold predictions. Now we're going to move on to the second round, which we're going to switch things up a little bit. We're going to go from the back. Campbell, you go first with this one. Okay. So my second prediction is I know Andrew's going to like this a lot. Duncan Robinson will set the record for the highest three-point shooting percentage in an NBA season, breaking Kyle Korver's record of 53.56, I forget what it was, percent. Uh, obviously, this is an extremely tall task. Once again, definitely some recency bias in this pick. Uh, Duncan Robinson was great today in his Christmas game against uh, the terrible Pelicans defense. Uh but, you know, obviously, we all saw him in the NBA playoffs. He can shoot the heck out of the basketball. He rarely misses. So uh, it's a tall task, as I said, but I think it's I think it's a possibility. Yeah, um, you talked a little about him. Uh, breaking that record of 53%, I mean, that's just ridiculous, making over half the threes that you take. But I think if there was anyone in the NBA that could do this, I think it would, the person to do it would be Duncan Robinson. And I think the reason why is because he is going to be in the top five in terms of three-point attempts this season. And he gets a lot of easy ones. The Miami Heat, their offense, a lot of it is screens, backdoor cuts, a lot of ball movement, and that creates a ton of open three-pointers, not only for Duncan, but for their entire team. But Duncan is put in so many situations where he gets wide-open shots, and they do run plays uh, for him to get wide-open three-point shots. And he takes, as you said, Campbell, he just went seven for 13. He's taking over 10 threes a game, so he definitely has the attempts. It's just about how consistent can he be. Sometimes... Uh, I would uh, watching it. I've been watching Duncan for a while. Sometimes when he heats up, he forces some threes, so that might lower his percent. So maybe he won't accomplish his feet, but I still think that he'll be the best, you know, three point shooter, just three point specialist. I'll put it that way because some of you guys don't think he's the best shooter, but three point specialist, I think he's definitely the best in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, I'm always right now. I think Steph Curry is still the best three point shooter in the league, and that is just because I mean we've seen what he can do almost every game. Obviously, he hasn't been playing as well right now as he's basically the only person on his team that I think has ever made an all-star appearance. So, uh, yeah, but I think Duncan Robinson can definitely make a run at this record. He is a great three-point shooter. He has shown it repeatedly last year. He started off well this year. I mean, to me, there seems no reason why he can't do it. He's a great three-point shooter, and if he can just keep consistency and take good shots and like Andrew said not put up bad ones when he doesn't need to I mean definitely make a run at this record yeah Duncan's an elite three-point shooter that's all that really has to be said about this because he definitely is capable of uh, beating Kyle Korver's uh, three-point percentage record um, he has all the tools too uh, he he doesn't miss when he's wide open so uh, for Andrew's sake, I hope he can uh, complete this insanely hard feat to complete. But uh, yeah, that's all I have to say on this. Okay, now I will go with my second bold prediction. And mine will be that Celtics guard slash forward Jalen Brown will make an all-NBA team this season. There are three all-NBA teams. I don't think he'll make the first one. I think that that one is... Very hard for him to make this year, but I definitely think he can make second or third team. He has been great to start off the season. He was good in the bubble last year, and without Kemba Walker, him alongside Jason Tatum, they both have a chance to sign, and I think that 
Jalen Brown will definitely take a big leap this year. And I know I said this before, but there is no all-star game, I don't think, this year. But I don't know if they're still doing all-stars. But if they're what if they are, he is going to be an all-star. I am hopeful and pretty sure. So he's a great player. He's an all-around, he's a good defender. He's an all-around good offensive player, pretty good three-point shot, can drive, is very explosive. So I really like Jalen Brown's game. And I think he's just gonna get better over the years and he's gonna take a big leap this year. Um, that's a very bold prediction, Tyler. Um, I don't think Jalen Brown, it's impossible for Jalen Brown to complete this because he's been having an amazing season, uh, in the past two games. I know it's only been two games, but, um, the problem is with him making an all NBA team is that there are just, uh, so basically if they list him as a guard, uh, that means there are going to be six guards who make, uh, the all, uh, an all NBA team total. So that means he's a top six guard in the league if he's considered one. And if, if he's listed as a forward, then he would have to be a top six forward in the league, which just sounds absurd to say that Jalen Brown was a top six shooting guard, uh, guard or forward in the league. So that's just why I don't think he can make an all-NBA team. If there was an all-star game, which I'm pretty sure there's not this year, I think they've already uh, cut that out of the schedule. I think he definitely could be an all-star. Uh, not even based off these past two games, I think he definitely could have just passed uh, through the past season. So... Um, I don't think he's going to make an all-NBA team, but I can see where you're coming from because he's a very talented player. Uh, yeah, depending on if he's listed as a guard or a forward, either way, I don't think this is accomplishable. I was just, out of curiosity, looking up the 2019-2020 uh, all-NBA teams, and on the third all-NBA team, it was Russell Westbrook and Ben Simmons in the guard slots. And I know people are going to change around, but it seems really unlikely that Jalen Brown is going to hop up to what Ben Simmons averaged last year, which was what, 18, seven, seven and two steals or Russell Westbrook's 25, seven and eight. Like I think as Dean said, he could definitely make an all-star team, but it's going to be really, really tough to make a all NBA team, especially, especially with Jason Tatum as your teammate, who's also a young star, who's going to continue growing. So I, I think it's going to be practically impossible in my opinion. I mean, I think that he can average 25 to 27 points per game. And maybe if he's lucky, even a little bit more, if he's that good and can take on the role as an all-star guard alongside Jason Tatum. So, I mean, I don't know if you guys have the hopes that I think Jalen Brown can achieve, but I think that he's a really good player, and yeah. Okay, so if Jalen Brown's the number two option on the Celtics, clearly. Um, so if you're saying he can average 25 to 27, how much is Jason Tatum averaging? Because 25 to 27 is a lot. Like, I think he can average 22 max this year with playing alongside Jason Tatum and Kemba Walker's coming back in two months. I, I, don't, I, I don't think – I think Kemba Walker's kind of going to take the reins as the number three player on the team. I think he's kind of on a downfall. He wasn't very good last year, at least in my perspective. But I think Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, I think I think Jalen Brown will go towards maybe the 24, 25, probably not 27. And Jason Tatum will go to 27, 28, while Jalen Brown's at 24, 25. Right, but Jalen Brown was also the number two last year. And Kemba was the number three option, at least, last season. So, I mean, he could take a big jump for sure. But Kemba and Andrew, do you have anything to say on this? Uh, yeah, really quickly, even if Jalen Brown does jump up to that 26, 27 point mark, he's not going to average seven assists like Russell Westbrook did last year. And I know once again, all these people are going to change, but it's not like all the guards in the league are just going to fall off a cliff and Jalen Brown's just going to be like the sixth best guard in the league. Like there's still going to be someone in that guard spot who's averaging 25, 5, and 5, and I don't think that's going to be Jalen Brown this year. Hey, you never know. You never know. So we'll see. I mean, this is a much bolder prediction than I think a couple others, but you know what? We'll just have to wait and see. Andrew? Yeah, one thing I'd like to mention is I think, as Dean said, he's nowhere. He's not a top six forward or a top six guard. His numbers have a chance to be inflated with Kemba out the first month of the season. He's already proven that he's going to be a great scorer. And maybe one day, I think, in his career, when he gets to his prime, he'll be on one of these teams. We have to think about it. Campbell did mention 
um, the two guards on all NBA third team last season being Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook. But you have to think of it this way, as he's, as Cam also said, none of the guards ahead of them are falling off. And you're also adding Stephen Curry and Kyrie Irving to the equation now. So I just feel like it's pretty much impossible for Jalen Brown to get up there. Plus, um, I just don't know if he's going to be able to put up the numbers having Jason Tatum on his team because it seems as though the Celtics offense uh, runs through Jason Tatum um, and he takes the majority of shots. And when Jason Tatum goes to the bench, it's really hard for the Celtics to score. And that could lead to some inefficiency for uh, Jalen Brown. You guys want to prove me wrong here, but you know what? We played two games this season. We just, you know what? There's a lot more to go. What is there? 70 more to go. So, you know what? Unexpected stuff is destined to happen. So we'll just, we'll just see. Um, Dean, I think it's your turn to go. All right, so this is uh, on the bolder side as well as Tyler's previous one. Uh, my next bold prediction is going to be that the 76ers will finally put together, put it together as a team and complete the season as the number two seed in the Eastern Conference. And uh, I believe they've only played one game this season, but Ben Simmons is looking healthy as ever. He should be entering his prime soon as well as Joel Embiid. And I think that Daryl Morey as their new GM made so many great moves. He addressed their number one problem in the offseason right when he took the reins as a GM, and that was shooting. Uh, they had they were lacking shooting. A lot of it, Shake Milton basically was their only good shooter, and you can give some props to Josh Richardson. But they traded Josh Richardson for Seth Curry, who's an exceptional shooter, and they also traded for Danny Green from the OKC Thunder after he was traded from the Lakers. So I think that they addressed all of their problems, and if they do click, which it looks like they did in their first game, they won a tight uh, game versus the Washington Wizards. I think that they could definitely be the two seed because now that they have, they obviously have defense. Ben Simmons is a top perimeter defender, and he's a great interior defender because he's such a big guard. And you have Joel Embiid, who's a great defender. And you have guys on the perimeter, Danny Green, all of those guys in their rotation. So I can definitely see them if they click and finally put it together, being the number two seed in the Eastern Conference after this season. Yeah, Dean, I can definitely see that. Um, I was watching some of their opening night game against the Wizards and Ben Simmons. Outside of the fact that he still can hit perimeter jump shots, he's looking like his all-NBA third team self from last year. He's looking really good, especially on the defensive end. Um, he's getting in passing lines, getting steals. He's getting blocked shots. And Joel Embiid, he looks like he may have lost a little weight, and it looks like his jump shot is improved. Um it looks, you know, his form looks a little better, a little smooth, a little cleaner. And that's what you want because if Joel Embiid can be able to space the floor better, then it will help um, with the clogginess that happens in the paint when Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are both occupying that area. But Daryl Morey already said, you know, there's been rumors that they're going to they are gonna trade for James Harden, but he already said they're not giving up Ben Simmons. And I'm actually very happy. I would love to see how Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, how that uh, dynamic duo works out uh, under Doc Rivers, because I think that Doc Rivers will be able to bring out the best in both of them and be able to pair them together um, really well together. Um, one guy I would like to mention uh, that has not uh, shown up is Tobias Harris. Um he got paid a big contract uh, last offseason, and this past season he had a subpar year, but I will mention that he had the best season of his career under Doc Rivers. Most people thought he was stub of the All-Star team, so I think that's a guy to look out for because if he can become a legitimate third option behind Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, if they all make um, All-NBA teams, I think 100% the 76ers could be the second seed. Uh, yeah, it's definitely a bold prediction, and they did look really good against the Wizards. However, I don't know if I like them more than uh, the Nets or the Bucks. But one thing I find really interesting is from last year, the 76ers could not find a win on the road. They could not find a win. And I don't know if that's opposing teams' fans or just traveling, but I think it might be interesting to see how Corona and how there's no fans, how that sort of affects the 76ers on the road. Because they were one of the best teams at home last year, and as I said, they could not find a win on the road. So I think it'll be pretty interesting with COVID to see how that plays out. Uh, yeah, I understand what Dean and Andrew are saying here, 
but I have to disagree. I, I don't take them over the Nets. I don't take them over the Bucks, and I don't take them over the Celtics. I think all three of those teams have too much talent and are better than the Sixers. But the Sixers did address their two main priorities in this offseason. They addressed the shooting, biting Seth Curry and Danny Green, even though I'm not so sure. Lakers fans think that Danny Green is quite a great shooter, but you know what? I think he is. He was a great shooter on both the Raptors and the Spurs, and he was good for the Lakers, except in that one game, five. Um, but. I think that, and they also did address um, their depth by adding Danny Green, Dwight Howard. They have Shake Milton. So, yeah, they did address those two main priorities. But I just think that the other three teams in the Bucks, Nets, and Sixers have too much talent. And I just, I, I, I would take, I would take uh, those three teams over them. I don't think they're going to be the two seed, let alone the three seed. I think they'll be the four seed. I think they're kind of a lock for the four seed unless the heat can get there. But um, I, I personally, I don't think that they can get uh, the three two seed. I mean, right. But um, this is a bold predictions podcast. Remember, it's not like a definite thing. Like this only happens if everything clicks for the Sixers. That's what I'm saying. I know. I'm just saying I disagree. I don't, I don't think I personally, I mean, obviously it's possible because they can make everything work. But right now for me, at least, I think they're more of a four seed than a two seed. Okay, now we'll move on to Andrew's pick, his second bold prediction. All right. Um, this guy's name has been mentioned a few times already this podcast. My second bold prediction is that Russell Westbrook will average a triple-double again. Um, I think that um, he is in the perfect situation because if you look at the team that he averaged a triple-double with in OKC, um, you know, he had good pieces around him. It wasn't a great overall team, so he was able to get a ton of opportunities. And I feel the same way about this Wizards team. He is the leader and the best player on this team. Um, he's definitely going to be able to score, and he definitely rebounds. He's probably the best rebounding guard or one of the best rebounding guards in the NBA. And when you have a guy like Bradley Beal on your team, you can definitely get a lot of assists uh, towards him. And he's also been he's also shown uh, that he's been able to be really good in the pick and roll with uh, Davis Bertans and Thomas Bryant. He had a couple of really flashy assists. So I think that Westbrook has a really good chance to average a triple double this upcoming season. Um, yeah, I really like Russell Westbrook's odds to average a triple double because when he was in OKC and he averaged a triple double in his season, um, he was playing with Steven Adams. who's a great rebounder, great interior player on both sides of the ball. And now his starting center he's playing with is Thomas Bryant, who is not very uh, very well known for rebounding the ball. He's quite fr- he's not as strong as Stephen Adams is in the paint, so therefore he's not going to grab as many boards, which leaves more for Russell Westbrook. So I definitely think he has a great chance to get those ten rebounds. He's obviously going to score more than ten points per game, and if uh, every every single night shooters on that team like Bradley Beal. Uh, Davis Bertans, Mo Wagner can even shoot sometimes, and their new draft pick, Denny Avdia. I mean, he can definitely get a triple-double this year. Yeah, I have something really quick to say. He did it before with stars on a team. He can do it again with stars on his team and Bradley Beal. I mean, there's no reason he can't. Pretty simple for me. He, I, I would not be very surprised if he averaged a triple-double. Uh, yeah, I'm going to agree with you. Drew, I'm blaming this on you. I don't know if I'd call this a bold prediction. I think Russell Westbrook has pretty good chances of uh, averaging a triple-double this season. The only reason why I would call this a bold prediction is just because you don't see many players average a triple-double in a season. So I think to be able to accomplish that feat is just super hard. Um, but yeah, he definitely is in the best situation, so it's definitely very possible. Yeah, right, and also, uh, one more thing. Uh, Westbrook also had... What would you what you would call a down year for himself? I mean, he didn't play that well in the Rockets last year, so that's why it's sort of a bold prediction, but still. Before the I would like to mention though, before the bubble, his season was lost. After the all-star break last season, he was averaging like 27 and 10. Like he was he was playing really, really good basketball. But when they got to the bubble, it just all went away. I'm pretty sure he had COVID and got to the bubble late, which just messed up his entire rhythm. But I think he's back on track now uh, with the Wizards. Yeah, I had him in fantasy last year. He was he was injured for a good amount of the season here and there. So, I mean, I think he can definitely get on track this year. Um, yeah, and average a triple-double. Okay, Dean, we're going to go to you with your third bold prediction. All right, so for my final bold prediction is 
very bold like my last one. Um, this is probably the boldest one of them all, for me at least. Uh, and it's that Colin Sexton will lead the Cavaliers to the 10 seed, which will qualify their team to make the play-in spot. Um, and I have a few reasons why I think uh, this could all work. Remember, this is a bold prediction. This does not mean I truly believe that the Cavs can be the 10 seed. This is if everything works out. So I'm really high on Colin Sexton uh, coming into this season. He's an elite scorer. Um, I'm paired up with Tyler in a fantasy league, and I persuaded him to draft him. I promise he's going to be good this year. He's a great scorer. And he's so shifty and he's so fast. He gets by any perimeter defender very fast. And he, his three-point shooting is good. His mid-range is good. And he can even slash. Uh, the second reason why I think that this t- I think he's going to be the highest scorer. I'll add that too. I think he'll average the most points on the Cavs this year. Drummond, obviously, best rebounder, rebounder in the league. He'll get 15 boards. He'll hold down the paint for that team. And I think that Darius Garland's definitely going to take a big step. Usually I'm a big Darius Garland hater because I did not like the pick when the Cavs took him last year. I didn't think he was that good. I saw some of his tape in college and I didn't think he was that good. And he was very underwhelming in his rookie season. And so far in his first game, he's had a great game. And I think he's going to take a step up. And the, uh, the final reason why I think this cast team is going to be good, because uh, I think Isaac Okoro is going to be a great complimentary piece at the three. He's a great defender, great perimeter defender, one of the best in the draft, as they say, and he can shoot the ball well. And yeah, I think that this cast team, if everything, like I said, happens, I think they can make the 10 seed and hopefully try and make the plus. I don't think they'll make the plus, but I think they could participate in the play tur- tournament. Uh, I'm not going to entertain this bold prediction. The Cavaliers won under 20 games last year. They are not going to be the 10 seed. I think Colin Sexton is going to average easily above 20 points, but that is not going to bring bring them to the 10 seed. I don't think that's a possibility at all, so I'm just going to keep it and leave it at that. What about Darius Garland averaging 15 points? Dean, you know and, what? Dean, Dean, Isaac Okoro averaging about 12. Dean, what I, did I understand. What average last year? <laughs> what Garland averaged last year? Like... Dean, I understand that this is a bold predictions podcast, but I think this is a little too bold. I think I can name 10 teams that I would take over the Cavaliers going into this. Right, season. but this is a bold predictions podcast. I said I, You know what? It's a bold prediction. Respect. I respect it. I respect the boldness, Dean. I it's a little It's a little too bold. Never know, Colin Sexton, I think it's a little too bold in my perspective. I don't I'm not sure. I'm not sure uh, a duo of Colin Sexton and Andre Drummond can lead a team to the play-ins. I mean, to the playoffs, but maybe the play-in. You never know. I mean, right? That's the plan. I you never did. You did. You did persuade me to pick him. He he has been. He was very good in his first game. So very I mean, good. I guess you never yeah. know. Very and good. Andre Drummond used to be one of the best centers in the league, and he's still a pretty good. Re- he's still a very good rebounder and a pretty good scorer. So I mean, you never know. But you know what? We love the boldness of your pick. Uh, okay. Now we're going to go back to Campbell for his bold prediction. Okay, my final bold prediction is that the Lakers will win 60 games in this 72-game regular season. Uh, It's definitely unlikely. They would have to win over 83% of their games. And once again, a lot of recency bias in this pick, along with my other two. But tonight the Lakers looked fantastic to say the least uh the whole team is really along with getting a win against the Mavericks and the whole team playing very very well uh the team just appears to be getting along extremely well Montrez Harrell and AD are just joking around with each other every day obviously a good relationship doesn't lead directly to wins but it's definitely not gonna hurt them the team's obviously building chemistry and there's a lot of talent on that basketball court. There's every single time the Lakers step onto the court, there's five players that can put up 20 points in a game, and that's gonna help. That's gonna help a team win games very easily. They're not relying on one player. They're not relying on LeBron or AD last year to do it. Now they have so many more players who have just gained confidence over whether it's the postseason last year or bringing them in through free agency, signing them or trading for them. There's just so much talent on this Lakers team. It's gonna be it's they're gonna be a really tough team to beat this year, and that's why I think they could win upwards of sixty games. As a Lakers fan, uh, I would I would love for them to win sixty games, um, but that would mean they could only lose at a maximum eleven more games since they already lost one game this year. But I mean, 
I believe that in their Christmas game uh, today, uh, as we're recording, versus the Mavericks, um, LeBron, Anthony Davis, Montrezl Harrell, and Dennis Schroeder all combined for 90 total points, which is absolutely absurd. I I believe they scored 133 total. And, um, I mean, everyone's looking great on that team, especially on offense. It was a little shaky versus the Clippers, but I think that Frank Vogel tightened up right after that game. They had a really good practice session the next day, and I think that they're going to maintain this. I think it'll be very hard for them to win 60 games, but I mean, they're going to be at the top of the league this year, undoubtedly, undoubtedly. So I, I see them at the top of the league. I, I, I don't know if I can get around the 60 game win thing though. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. My bad. You go. I'm sorry. Tyler. Um, I think that if, if any team were to win 60 games, the team that has the best chance to do that is definitely the Lakers just because of their depth and the amount of star power they have on that team. But I just I don't see them winning 60 games because I just think that they're going to have too many games like their opening night game against the Clippers where, you know, LeBron only plays 28 minutes. You know, they rest some other guys. They don't really look too engaged. They have an off night. That just happens too much in the NBA. And especially once I think it gets, you know, the last week or two in the season and the the Lakers will probably have clinched the playoffs by then and they'll still be fighting for that uh, number one overall seed. But the last week of the season, I don't expect LeBron or Anthony Davis to be playing at all. So I just think that they'll probably drop some games then uh, against better teams. But it, it'll be fun to see. It would be pretty cool to see them win 60 games, but I'm just – I'm not a believer right now. As a Laker fan, I really, really, really want to believe they can win 60 games. It's harder than it seems. I mean, to drop 11 games in a 72-game season, that would be very impressive. I think that it's an 81-game season or 82-game season usually, right? And the record is 72-10, and 10, if I'm correct. So, I mean, I think that that would – it would – since it is an unexpected year, I think it would definitely be um, – is it 73 and 9 or 72 and 10? I think it's 73 and 9, yeah. Yeah. Okay, Warriors. 73 and 9. So that means they only dropped not it, it was the Warriors that season, right? Yeah. Um so they only, the Warriors, I mean, the, the Lakers can't break this record this year as it's an unexpected year and there are less games. I mean, I guess we could consider it the best record of all time if they lose less than 9 games, what that's very unlikely in a very tough season with a lot of very good teams. Um, but I think, yeah, it's not a likely thing to happen, but this Laker team has quite a lot of talent. So, I mean, like you said, Campbell, if AD or LeBron have an off night, we have Dennis Schroeder or my bad, the Lakers have Dennis Schroeder and Montrez Harrell and the other one of AD and LeBron to make up for that work. So yeah, I definitely think it's possible. I don't, I I mean, it's unlikely to happen, but you never know. Okay. Now I'm going to go with my bold prediction for or my last bull prediction for the season and it's going to be talking about the phoenix suns who i think will be a top five seed in the west the suns did not make the playoffs last year they missed it they did go eight and oh in the bubble so that was very impressive by uh because devin booker just played tremendous and deandre Aiden played well and they just had a lot of other players that played well dario saric mccall bridges uh yeah just a lot of other players cameron johnson and they did add another person this year by the name of Chris Paul, a very experienced veteran guard, great passer, pretty good score to say the least. But uh, I think that they have enough experience with Chris Paul and a couple other players, and they have the talent with Chris Paul and Devin Booker and DeAndre Aiden and Mikal Bridges and even more. So I think they can definitely make a run at the five seed, maybe even the four seed. But what do you guys think about this? Um, I agree with you, Tyler. Um, I think this is definitely bull just because of the fact that the Suns haven't made the playoffs in I think 10 seasons. And it's not a, it's not like hundred percent guaranteed they even make the playoffs, but I uh, especially being a top five seed, but I think there's a good chance you alluded to a lot of different things. One thing I think is gonna help is just Chris Paul. He just he's a great leader and mentor for the entire team. Every player on that team is gonna benefit from having Chris Paul as their teammate. I think that in order for them to be a top five seed, Devin Booker needs to be 25 point per game plus score every night. Um, it, it, he's got to average 
He's got to average a lot of points. And I think DeAndre Ayton has to make that jump to being an automatic double-double type of guy. Um, I've already seen a DeAndre Ayton start taking more jump shots. And if he can really develop that jump shot to be consistent, then I think that he can uh, definitely be a top 10 center in the NBA because he's a great uh, shot blocker and a great rebounder. And the pick and roll between him and Chris Paul by the end of the season, it will be very lethal because Chris Paul is probably, if not the best, one of the best all-time guards um, in the pick and roll situation. Um, So, yeah, I, I do like the Suns. The only problem is the Suns don't have the greatest depth, you know, Cameron Payne, just back in the leads, their backup point guard. Um, Damian Jones, not the most capable backup center. Um, Dario Saric, I think he might be injured right now because he didn't play uh, in their opening day game. They did beat the Mavericks. However, there were stretches in that game where they went two, three, four, five minutes without getting a field goal. Um, so I think that's definitely a cause for concern for the Suns, but um, I can definitely see them being a top five seed. Uh, yeah, they did beat the Mavericks, but it's never a good thing when uh, the Kristaps Porzingis-less Mavericks only have Luka and he starts the game, what, 0 for 5, 0 for 6, and they're still in the game in the second half. That was that was pretty bad. If they're going to want to win games easily, and a lot of them to be the 5 or 6 seed, they're going to have to take advantage of, uh, of rough starts for team star players. Uh, but I think Tyler sort of hit it right on the head with the six seed. I think the five seed is a little bit of a stretch, but uh, I think like the the five, six, seven seed is definitely their area, and it'll it'll definitely be interesting to see where they end up. As Andrew said, both Devin Booker and DeAndre Aiden need to take jumps. DeAndre Aiden needs to stay out of foul trouble. He was sort of a non-factor in their game against the Mavericks. So uh, yeah, it's also going to depend on how. Chris Paul plays. Obviously, he was on an all-NBA team last year. I think it was second team. And if he can continue that this year, that would obviously be huge for them. And I think people are expecting that, but it's not it's not always a given with someone at Chris Paul's age. So uh it'll it'll be interesting to see how the pieces line up for the Suns. Yeah, um, I agree with what all of you guys said. I think that it'll be hard for them to be higher than the sixth seed because the West is just so deep this year. But um you're obviously going to have to expect more out of Chris Paul. He didn't have the greatest Suns debut that people maybe thought he was going to have. Obviously, like Campbell said, I was watching basically the entire game, and DeAndre Ayton literally could barely play in the first half because he had 3,000 in the first quarter, which is kind of absurd. He's got to stay out of that. But if he develops that jump shot, like Andrew was saying, I saw him taking a lot more jump shots. He's going to be dangerous, especially if they can pick and pop with DeAndre Ayton. They're expecting the opponents are expecting a pick and roll. Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton. Instead, DeAndre Ayton goes a three point line to pop, shoots a three and makes it. That's going to be super dangerous for the opponent, uh, for the opposing team. So uh, it's definitely possible, but uh, I think that the West is just a little too deep for the Suns to be the five seed because they haven't made the playoffs like Andrew said in ten years. Yeah, I'm expecting Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton to both have career years as they won't. Need the Suns won't need to depend on them all the time anymore, as they ha- do now have Chris Paul too. But in my perspective, I think I might take them over the Jazz, the Blazers. I mean, the Rockets. So those are three teams that could go six, seven, eight with the Suns at five. So that's just my perspective. I understand your guys' perspectives, but you know what? As I said before, there are seventy more games to go in the season for us to watch. So. A lot of basketball yet to be played until the playoffs. I think this is our last bold prediction for this podcast. Andrew. And uh, it's fitting that this is the last one. This is my boldest prediction. And um, this podcast is uh, actually used to this bold prediction. Tyler is very familiar with this bold prediction as it has been correct in past um, in past seasons. My bold prediction for this playoffs is the Milwaukee Bucks once again will not make it out of the second round in the NBA playoffs. I am familiar with this one. We predicted um, this last year. I predicted this last year. It was true. I saw it coming. I love Drew Holiday, but I don't think he's enough. And the reason why is because I think the Nets, they're they're playing unstoppable right now. I mean, the Bucks, they ended up having a chance to send it to overtime. Giannis missed a free throw and Jason Tatum had a lucky buzzer beater three against them, but the Celtics were in control of that game the entire time. And they didn't even have all-star point guard Kemba Walker. And then the Celtics today got blown out by the Nets. So who knows what happens when the Bucs plays the Nets, but I definitely have the Nets over them. And I think the Celtics match up really well with the Bucs anyways. Um, And I think the Sixers, I mean, 
they have two guys in Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid who could wall up at the basket and make it really tough for Giannis Antetokounmpo. He hasn't proven that he can at all or even shoot the ball in clutch moments, can't make a free throw wide open uncontested, let alone make contested jump shots in pressured playoff games, you know. A lot of times you see Giannis, most of his baskets, you know, in transition or, you know, fast breaks, but in the playoffs, the court gets small. You have to be able to score in the half court offense. And Giannis at that point, he just reverts to a big and he doesn't really have the traditional big skills of screening and rolling and uh, post moves like a Joel Embiid or like a Jokic has. So he's not as effective. And I, there's just, you know, NBA teams in the past couple of years, they figured out how to guard Giannis. First, it was Kawhi, and now it was Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. They they figured out how to guard him in the half court offense. So, yeah, I just think there's better. Bring up. That's I just think there's better teams out there uh, that can definitely give the Bucks uh, a good run for their money. Um, Andrew, I see where you're going with the second round exit for the Bucks. Um, but like Tyler's mentioned dozens of times in this podcast. There's 70 games left uh, at the time of this recording, so you uh, you can't really tell. I know the Nets are playing amazingly right now. Kyrie and KD are looking unstoppable as a duo, uh, and I think that Drew Holiday, like you said, he might not be enough, and I want to talk more about Giannis because uh, what people have been criticizing Giannis about is his jump shot, his free throw, his three-point shot. Like Giannis can't make a, can't make a jump shot to save his life. I, I, like no disrespect to Giannis, but I, I've watched the Celtics game and I watched the Warriors game, the first two games of their season. That's not his game. He can't like I know he's trying to improve his shot and he's trying to get more reps with his shots in game, but he's literally putting up very bad numbers. That's just not helping his team. So I think that the plan for Giannis should be to stick to his game and improve his jump shot while he's practicing. And if it actually gets competent, then use it in game. But I think it's a little too early for him to just start taking more jump shots than he should because he's hurting his team at the end of the day because him taking a bunch of jump shots, especially versus the Celtics really hurt their end result, which ended up losing, uh, making them lose by one. And he also had a chance to tie the game uh, on a foul that shouldn't have been called. So he, they got lucky there and he missed his opportunity. So I think that Giannis should just stick to his game and because they have way more success uh, when he's just running and dunking. I know it's a bit of a meme now, but they have way more success when he's doing that. Yeah. Um, Giannis is a back-to-back MVP, as we know. He, like, I mean, we can talk about his game all that we want. It was good enough to get him the MVP award the past two years. So, but it wasn't good enough in the playoffs. And like Andrew said, when the Heat figured him out in the second round of last year's playoff, the Bucks were stuck. They did not have an answer to the Heat's defense. And when he got hurt, Chris Middleton did not step up and was not able to lead them out of the series. And you know what? I think that if Drew Holiday can Chris Middleton can, if Giannis, I don't think, I mean, we're hoping Giannis doesn't get hurt, but if Giannis somehow like isn't showing up in a game or he's not playing or they're giving him a rest or something like Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday have to show that they can step up and be the number two and three option on an NBA good team on a one or two seed in the NBA. And last year they Chris Milton didn't show that. Hopefully the presence of Drew Holiday can help that. But before we say that they are NBA finalists, I, I gotta see that Chris Milton and Drew Holiday can be potential all-stars because he Drew Chris Middleton was an all-star. I don't think he deserved to be one in my book at least. I mean he was not good enough in the playoffs last year or in the bubble at all yet last year. So I mean yeah, Giannis, Giannis has to get his shot better. Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday have to step up, and their surrounding team, Dante DiVincenzo, Brooke Lopez, and more, have to just they, – they got to they gotta play well. Uh, it's hard to disagree or agree with this prediction as it's so early in the season. But just one thing I'd like to point out is Andrew uh, – Andrew and uh, Tyler, you're both talking about how the Heat figured out Giannis's game, which they did. But it's not like Giannis is some like player in his early 30s who's like already mastered his craft and he's playing basketball to the best of his ability. Like Giannis is a 26 year old who's, as Tyler said, a two time MVP, and he's gonna con- his game is gonna continue growing if he keeps putting in that work. So he's gonna find solutions to the Heat's defense and 
yes, the Heat could keep on finding solutions, and yes, Giannis might continue being bounced in the second round, but like he still has a lot of room to to improve. And if he obviously, as Dean said, if he gets his jump shot right, that's going to be really dangerous for uh, the East. So it's too early to agree or disagree with this, but yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how uh, the Bucks role players and other star players play this season. Yeah, and remember that, sorry, remember that Giannis said, I think last season, that he is only 70% through his growth. So, I mean, that is, that if he can get better and he can shoot better, he's going to be unstoppable. Yeah, one thing I'd just like to mention, um, I don't know if I made this clear with my uh, prediction. I'm not blaming this entirely on Giannis at all. Um, although I think it's a big part about him, but one thing I'd like to say is the coach, Mike Boldenholzer, he was, um, he was unable to make any adjustments. Uh, first off when Giannis was not on the court, they did not look the same. And even when he was on the court and he was getting stopped, they literally, their offense was dead. Um, and I think that you have to look back at, you know, those 60 win Atlanta Hawk teams with Al Horford, Jeff Teague, Paul Millsap, Kyle Corver, all those guys in their primes, they couldn't make it out of the second round. And Mike Boldenholzer was their coach, and they were the best team, number one overall seed in the East every season, like the Bucks have been the past two years, or maybe even three years, but I know two for a fact. And they just, they don't win in the playoffs. And I don't know if it's something about Mike Boldenholzer, but he just has a pattern of doing this. And he's never had a player like Giannis, but he hasn't showed that he can ride, you know, his back to the playoffs and like you guys have said um i think that if Giannis were to be able to develop his jump shot they'd probably instantly make the finals because he's just too unstoppable at the rim that if you have to even come out near the three-point line he's gonna blow right by you but his game just isn't developed yet and i think maybe he can get there one day like you mentioned campbell but right now i know it's early but based on the based on what i know the other teams in the east have i just i just don't know if they've made out of the second round Okay, now we will move on to our traditional shot clock segment. If you are new to our podcast, we, I, the host, will time the three other people 24 seconds on the clock, and I propose a question for everyone to answer. And then someone will time me, and I will answer it. It's pretty simple. And the question for today's shot clock segment is, who is the second best quarterback in the NFL behind Patrick Mahomes? Andrew, you will start on this one. 24 seconds on the clock, starting now. All right. Um, I'm going to go with Deshaun Watson for this, uh, for the second best quarterback. I just think that in terms of a talent perspective, he he's the second best QB talent um, in the NFL. And he just doesn't have the weapons. If he, if I think if you put Deshaun Watson on the chiefs, I'm not saying they get better, but they don't get any worse. Uh, he's, he's so special and he has all the talent. And I think that he just needs more help. And when he gets more help, he's going to be uh, in competition with Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in the NFL. That is definitely a bold statement. And yeah, like this is a bold predictions podcast. It makes sense for your pick to be bold. Dean, I feel like I already know what you're going to say, but 24 seconds on the clock starting now. So this is coming from a, a Packers fan, by the way. I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers as the second best quarterback behind Patrick Mahomes. In my opinion, he's number two in the MVP race, but Aaron Rodgers leading the NFL right now in quarterback rating and completion uh, percentage, which is absolutely uh, incredible since he basically has no weapons other than Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams. He just slings the ball down the field. He can man- he can make any wide receiver or tight end look like a pro bowler, so I'm going to have to go with Aaron Rodgers as the second-best quarterback in the league. Can't refute that argument. Campbell, it's your turn now. 24 seconds on the clock, starting now. Uh, I'm going to go with Kyler Murray as the second-best quarterback in the NFL. Uh a few weeks ago, he suffered a shoulder injury, and that has sort of brought his value down. But he's, in my opinion, he's the best running quarterback in the league. He's definitely sufficient in the passing game, top 15 in most of those categories, passing touchdowns, yards, completion percentage, you name it. And he's like third in rushing touchdowns. He has the whole package. Uh, yeah, he's a great player. Dean's going to time me now. All right, Tyler, 24 seconds on the clock. Ready, go. So 
I'm going to go with the Packer, even though I want to go with Russell Wilson. I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers. As Dean said, he leagues the league in quarterback percentage and com- or quarterback rating and completion percentage. And you know what? When Devontae Adams was out, he still managed to put up crazy good stats and get the wins. And he does have a good wide receiver in Devontae Adams, a great wide receiver in Devontae Adams, but he makes every single wide receiver, tight end, and running back look great. And you know what? That's the sign of a, be- a really, really good quarterback. <laughs> It's a great answer, Tyler. Great answer. Thanks, Dean. So that is all we have for you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for listening to At The Buzzer. Make sure to go follow us at AT Buzzer Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, you name it. Along with Campbell, Andrew, and Dean, I'm Tyler Fertel, signing off for now. Happy holidays and see you next time.